My name is Kenneth Baining, Baining Brothers Dairy in Floresville, Texas. You are listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donald. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, drought, high input costs, and other factors are making this a difficult year for Texas farmers and ranchers. We'll have more on that coming up as we kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Dolmel. I'm your host, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. We're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Transpecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. What has continuing drought meant for the Texas High Plains? Perhaps the loss of more than half our region's cotton crop. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Beekeeping is very diversified and can be found in both rural and urban Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more on Texas Ag Today. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. We're going to talk about the need for moisture in West Texas and the current condition of the cotton crop. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Several factors have made 2022 a difficult year for Texas farmers and ranchers. Carrie Martin joins us with more. Drought, supply shortages, high fuel prices, and wildfires. Just a few of the things that are making 2022 one of the toughest years in modern times for many Texas farmers and ranchers. John Conaway is a cattle producer in Brown County, right in the middle of Texas. He says he's been involved in his family ranch for over 50 years, and he cannot remember a year when all of these problems have hit at once. And drought is at the top of the list. Pretty significantly in our area. I guess we were in the D4 range a little while, several weeks ago. We're, we're in D2 now, uh, which is still uh, considered severe drought, but not in the exceptional drought category. Yeah, I've been involved in our ranch since as early as I can remember is the late 60s, and I can't remember another time when we had the combination, and we've had lots of droughts, but the combination of the drought, lack of surface water, heat, and then the other inflation items mentioned all hitting at once, again, probably rougher than any time I can remember. Conaway says he's gotten a few rains this year that has kept him from liquidating his cow herd. But those rains don't go far in 100-degree heat. Back in early June, uh, we did get a rain that pulled us out of that D4 category. We got a couple of inches of rain, and that really saved us. We were to the point of liquidating several, if not all, of our herds at that point. That gave us a little little bit of grass growth. We've got a little bit of water in our surface tanks. Kind of got us through for another couple of months, but then we, you know, right behind that, we had a hundred plus 
degree days, just one after the other. So we're pretty close to getting back to the, the spot we were if we don't get some more soon and not much in the forecast. There have been some wildfires in Conaway's area that have affected his neighbors, but so far he's been fortunate that none have reached his ranch. Farmers in the Rio Grande Valley are having a pretty good crop year, especially compared to the rest of Texas. Sam Simmons farms in the RGV, and he says his cotton crop looks pretty good this year. I've got cotton in all kinds of stages right now. We replanted some. It was very dry in the beginning of the year. It's been pretty dry throughout so far. We've had a couple timely rains that have helped us out along the way, which has been a blessing because we are very short on water right now. But it looks like we're going to have a decent crop all in all. Not the best I've ever seen, but definitely not the worst. Simmons says he's about three weeks away from harvesting his corn crop, which he says looks excellent this year. I'm Carrie Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Dry conditions are taking a toll on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt joins us from Amarillo. The rains that have occurred here and there in recent weeks have been somewhat encouraging. But the bottom line is we're still in a drought and it's put the hurt on area crops. Mark Brown of Plains Cotton Growers offers this very sad assessment of cotton in the Texas High Plains. Up here, we're about 55% dry land, and I would say that we have lost the vast majority of the dry land. It just never was able to establish because of the extremely dry weather, and we have lost some of the irrigated as well, in which producers either could not keep up with the irrigation demand, or it was blown out by wind and blowing fans, or severely damaged by hail. So we are looking at more or less a half a crop this year as compared to an average year. In fact, Brown says it's possible 60% or more of the region's cotton crop has failed. Meanwhile, when it comes to corn, Russell French of Pioneer Hybrid says that crop is doing pretty well for those that have strong irrigation supply, but in more water-challenged areas, as French explains, cutting back on pumping will mean cutting production. Some growers are considering what we call diverting water, you know, where we don't think we can keep up with the entire circle, so we may cut it back in half and and let half go and, and keep on the other half. So we're starting to see some of that, especially where we have irrigation capacities under four gallons per acre per minute. French also says the strain from dry conditions could escalate as corn enters a key development stage. I would say the majority of the corn, we're probably one to two weeks from full tassel here, which is peak water use, and that corn can use anywhere from 3,500s to a half inch a day, depending on temperatures and, and wind. So it's a very, very critical time. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Did you know that beekeeping plays an important role in the Texas economy? Tom Nicoletti joins us with more. My guest today is Ashley Ralph, the president of the Texas Beekeepers Association. She explains the overall importance of beekeeping to the Texas economy. So it's about a $15 billion industry just in pollination alone. That is calculated by what we contribute as beekeepers to the overall growth domestic product because of the pollination services that we're providing from almonds to watermelons and a lot of other crops. We also obviously have our honey production and sales that contribute to the overall economy. So bees are relatively small in the grand scheme of the Texas 
agricultural industry, but it's got a foothold in a lot of agriculture. Beekeeping is becoming a more popular agricultural endeavor for people. So we actually have, in our organization, we've got about 1,300 members, and a lot of those beekeepers live in more urban areas um, and responsibly keep bees in higher populated areas. And so um, it's, it's interesting enough, but it actually helps to prevent having rogue colonies with really bad and maybe even mean genetics to have managed colonies in the area. So for municipalities even, um, and not just rural areas, that can be uh, a good thing to have urban beekeepers. Um, as far as rural, you know, our beekeepers keep bees in a lot of different areas around the state of Texas, and um, there's a variety of um, natural forage and, and productivity for each of those areas, but, um, but that's an obvious. Rural beekeeping is, is the obvious that people are used to, for sure, so we, we definitely have beekeepers in both areas. That is Texas Beekeepers Association President Ashley Ralph. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A lack of moisture and increasing weed pressure is weighing on farmers in West Texas. Eddie Griffiths has that report for us. Well, across West Texas, still in need of some rainfall, quite a bit of rainfall to try to help subsidize this cotton crop, whether it be irrigated or dry land, get it through the month of July and August. In July, we're trying to get our blooms and bowl set. But at this point, if you have irrigated crop, irrigation is going on that irrigated crop and producers are trying to make the decision of just to, how much irrigation put out there with input cost and lack of moisture. Dry land crop is pretty minimal across the area. There are some acres of dry land, but at this point that dry land crop is pretty much just sitting there, not doing a whole lot because it just doesn't have the moisture underneath it to give it that boost to get it through the month of July and definitely carry it over into the month of August. The weed pressures definitely a concern for producers in the area with the lack of moisture. Hard to get herbicides to work out in the field and even difficult to get a cultivator out there and, and plow out a lot of these weeds because the ground is just so hard and dry. Really cannot get the plows to take the ground and, and do a whole lot of good. So again, the, the main concern here in West Texas is lack of moisture and trying to make decisions on just how many inputs you're going to put into a crop whenever you definitely have to be subsidized by moisture to try to help this crop along. But you do see some good irrigated acres out there where they have enough irrigation or drip irrigation to get that crop along. But all in all, for the most part in West Texas, pretty dry and producers are just wondering what decisions to make to try to get this crop to the end. From West Texas, I'm Eddie Griffiths. Last week, the U.S. Department of Agriculture reported planting acreage for the current crop year. While there was little surprise in those numbers, Michael Clements from the American Farm Bureau Federation shares there may be changes to the data later this year. The June 30th acreage report from USDA shows farmers planted slightly less acres than last year. However, American Farm Bureau Federation senior economist Veronica Nye says USDA will resurvey some planted acreage, which could change the data. USDA's June 30 acreage report indicates that for the 22-23 crop year, farmers planted 237.8 million acres of corn, soybeans, wheat, and cotton. This is down about 700,000 acres from 21. However, USDA has indicated that a special follow-up survey will be carried out due to the significant number of acres left to be planted per farmer's stated intention. 
Nye says farmers didn't seem to change planting decisions based on high input prices. Ahead of the report's release, much of the conversation focused on whether farmers would switch to corn despite the higher planting costs in hopes that the revenue received in the fall would be higher than soybean returns. The acreage report indicates that farmers made small shifts to plant a few more acres of corn and cotton and pulled acres from beans and wheat, but that was likely due to weather. This month, USDA NAS will collect updated data for crops planted in Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota, where excessive rainfall delayed planting. If the newly collected data justifies any changes, NAS will publish updated acreage estimates in the crop production report on August 12th. There were 4 million acres left to be planted of corn and 15.8 million acres of soybeans left to be planted. For corn, if all 4 million acres are planted, that puts us slightly ahead of 2021 plantings. And if all of the acres indeed got planted to soybeans, that will mean that farmers planted more than 104 million acres of soybeans, which would be an incredible 19% increase over 2021. Learn more at fb.org slash market intel. From Washington, I'm Michael Clements for Texas Ag Today. Mosquitoes can transmit serious equine diseases and are still a problem even though we're in a drought. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Even though most of Texas is suffering under a drought right now, mosquitoes can still be a problem. And they can spread diseases like West Nile virus to horses. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more. Entomologist Dr. Justin Talley from Oklahoma State indicates at Drovers.com that just because we do not have a lot of rain does not mean we do not have mosquitoes. Some of the most significant West Nile virus outbreaks in the past have occurred in years without significant rainfall. He indicates just because you do not see standing water does not mean there are no mosquitoes. The Culex mosquito is responsible for transmitting West Nile and other equine diseases, and this mosquito can populate in the most unsuspecting places. Most of the time, we think of mosquitoes needing standing water to reproduce, and we would see more West Nile cases in wet years. But this is not the case, as some of the more serious West Nile outbreaks have occurred in dry years. These mosquitoes can reproduce in muddy water or even in a storm drain. Even a tiny hole in a tree can hold enough water for the mosquito to repopulate. Some of these mosquito-transmitted diseases can be very serious and can have death rates up to 90% of infected horses, depending on the disease. The major equine diseases transmitted by mosquitoes are West Nile and both Eastern and Western encephalomyelitis. Fortunately, there are very effective vaccines for all three of these diseases. And if your horse has not been vaccinated this year for these diseases, now is the time. Most cases of West Nile develop in the early fall, so vaccination now is critical. A high-powered fan in your barn will help keep mosquitoes away when the horses are in the barn, especially at peak mosquito feeding times, which are dusk and dawn. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. 
some of the most critically endangered sea turtles in the world call the Texas coast home. Green sea turtles, Kemp's Ridley, loggerheads, hawksbill, and leatherbacks can all be found in Matagorda Bay. The unique environment of the bay that hosts these species, while other bays do not, has been the focus of a years-long study by world-class researchers studying the entire ecosystem of the bay, what the sea turtles interact with, and what they need for survival. Dr. Pamela Plotkin, director of the Texas Sea Grant Program at Texas A&M University, says researchers now have a better understanding of the sea turtles' needs and where they can be found in Matagorda Bay. If you want to understand increases and decreases in, in endangered species, you've got to know a lot of things about their environment. A lot of people just don't have that capacity to do that because it's a big project. Often you'll see people saying, well, you know, the turtles are increasing because there's more food available to them in the areas where they eat. Well, it could be a lot more than just the food they're eating. Dr. Plotkin says the information learned from the whole ecosystem ecosystem assessment can help set a baseline that will help coastal communities develop while also protecting endangered and threatened sea turtles. It's the first time that some of these studies have been supported and conducted in a way that is robust. It's going to provide value for many years to come, and especially as Matagorda Bay and the surrounding area continues to grow and develop. It'll be useful to have that baseline to understand the changes that occur and then to try to manage as needed. That was Dr. Pamela Plotkin. We'll have more with her on our next show. Fears of a recession and concerns over potential COVID-related closures or shutdowns in China and other factors have impacted the commodity markets this week. So how did things wrap up on Thursday? We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and the financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. And we're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Strong demand pushed some cattle contracts higher on Thursday, while an increase in grain prices pushed some contracts lower. August live cattle up five cents Thursday to 134.55. October live cattle down a dime to 139.85. August feeder cattle down 82 cents to 172.47. September feeder cattle down a dollar two to 176.05. Boxed beef was higher. Choice up 26 cents to 268 dollars and 31 cents. Select up 26 cents to $243.19. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Neighbor, lots of auctions are closed this week, but not the good folks at Brenham Livestock. That's Cattleman's Brenham Livestock. We're on the line with Doug Bass. Doug, no sale last week, but we're going to hit it hard this week, aren't we? Yes, sir, Mr. Larry. We're getting ready. Uh, looks like we're going to be pretty dang busy. We've got lots lined up. Been gathering cattle all week. 
should have about 40 younger pairs coming. If anybody's looking for the replacement cattle, we should have about, like I said, about 40. And uh, lots, lots of cows coming, sounds like. We've we got them lined up. Right. Is it hot and dry down there, too? It is, yes, sir. We had a really good chance of rain last week, that storm, and it, it missed us. It ended up going to the east of us. So, uh, yes, sir, we, we're pretty dry and definitely hot. Yes, sir. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for this Friday sale at Cattleman's Brenham, Doug Bass. Yes, sir. Y'all can call me on my cell, which is 979-877-4454. Or call us there at office, 979-836-3621. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir, Mr. Thank y'all. We'll see you Friday. Neighbor, we love this so much, we're going to do it again tomorrow. Good day. Lean hogs were higher on Thursday due to good demand higher cutout values, and good cash trade. July lean hogs up a dime to 113.25. August lean hogs up 30 cents to 109.50. July class 3 milk was up 27 cents to 22.66 a hundredweight. August class 3 milk up 37 cents to 21.81 a hundredweight. After two days of posting triple-digit losses, cotton traded sharply higher on Thursday. According to DTN, the rebound was due to traders covering previously short positions and buying net long. October cotton up 343 points to 99.82. December cotton up 327 points to 91.88. July corn up two and three quarters to 747. September corn up nine and a quarter to 609. December corn up 11 and a quarter to 596 and a quarter. July hard red wheat up 41 and three quarters to 891. September hard red wheat up 37 and three quarters to 889 and a quarter. August natural gas up 75 cents Thursday to 626. September natural gas up 73 cents to 621. August crude oil up $4.21 to 102.74 a barrel. September crude oil up $4.31 to 99.29 a barrel. The Dow up 302 points Thursday to 31,340. The S&P 500 up 54 points to 3,899. The Nasdaq up 249 to 11,612. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel. I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.